Hello, you are listening to Trauma Transformation Adoptee Podcast, a podcast by adoptees for adoptees. I'm your host, Shantae, and each week we'll take a sneak peek into the lives of adoptees from all over the world, and we'll hear their stories of the good, the bad, and the ugly that comes with being adopted or children or foster care. Some of the stories will break your heart. Some of the stories will give you hope. But all of the stories will have a similar theme of overcoming adversity. Because here we like to say that we can transform trauma into triumph. The show's about to start. You are listening to Trauma Transformation Adoptee, Season 1, Episode 14, entitled Transformed. We have a reunion show that's coming up very soon that most of our guests will be a part of. Go now to Trauma Transformation Adoptee on either Instagram or Facebook and DM me any questions, thoughts, or concerns that you may have in regards to our guest. And who knows, your thought, question, or concern may be shared on our reunion episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. This is Trauma Transformation Adoptee. I'm your host, Shantae. We're listening to season one. This is episode 14, you guys, 14. Thank each and every one of you that's been along for this entire journey. It has superseded any of my own expectations for sure. Um, We are now at 1.6 thousand downloads for the season and God gets the glory for the work that's happening here. I'm thankful for each one of the special guests that had the courage to step forward and share their stories with the world. I am so thankful for the heart of each one of the guests that I've had an opportunity to interview this season. Well, we're going to continue on with this episode. Our special guest this week is none other than Tashiana Ortiz. Tashiana is a woman of God, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. She about to preach. I'm, I'm just saying, it's coming. She is a beautiful soul, a beautiful spirit, an author. Um, she, her new book is called Surviving Trauma. Um, it just recently came out, and as a matter of fact, during the interview, she talks about her upcoming book, so we'll get to hear her talk about it coming, but know now that it's out, and at the end of the episode, I'll give you ways that you can purchase her book. She is a mother, and she is forever a sister to me. Tashiana, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. I'm so good, and I'm just excited to be here. Thank you. Yes. Well, the pleasure is all mine, and I am just thankful for an opportunity to hear your story and to know that your story is going to connect with the hearts of someone listening, and that hopefully mm-hmm. from there some steps are made, that lives are changed, and that we can live the life that God has called us to live. So I know, because I got chill bumps already, that, <laughs> that this right here was meant to happen. So what Amen. I'm going to 
Amen. Yes, I'm going to open the, the door for you here and just give you an opportunity to share. I'm so excited. So I was uh, placed in the foster care system around two, three years old. You know, I don't know the exact age. Um, I know that my bio mother had called her parents and said, I'm in prison and my kids, my older brother and I were in foster care. They didn't know about us. And so we got placed in this system and we had gone through 10 to 15, 20 different foster homes by the time we was two years old till we were about five years old and they separated us. And, you know, by the grace of God, they kept putting us back together. They said, when these two kids are not together, they are bad kids. So I have scars. I remember some foster homes that we were in. My brother being drugged by a dog and just blood everywhere. So we got moved out of there. My grandparents took us, but that was never permanent. They said they want like an open adoption. And, you know, we want to be grandparents and visit and send gifts, but we want you to have a young, loving family. So they started grooming us to um, talk to now my adoptive family. And, you know, as a little kid, I don't think you understand because we were about five years old. My brother was six. What was truly going on? You know, we just talked to these people on the phone. And I remember the day we, we packed up our stuff and my grandfather, um, I'm Puerto Rican. He had a very thick Puerto Rican accent. And he was very cold that day. And my brother suffered abuse while living with my grandparents, but I was treated like a queen. So my brother was ready to get up out of there, you know, and me, I'm like, this, this is my heart. We get on an airplane with my step-grandmother and we meet a social worker and we drive to this little town, no Walmart, no, no anything, just some trailers and some sagebrush. And my grandmother introduces us to these um, Caucasian family and they had a son and I said, oh, okay, you know, oh, okay. And my brother just ran outside real quick to go play and I'm more reserved. And I watched my grandmother drive away out the window. And I sat there with my big brown suitcase in a living room with this lady I didn't know and you left me. So from at a young age, I had already felt rejected. I, it was already placed that they did not want me. And then we go through this home. And in the beginning, it was, it was love. I was like, oh, this is nice. This is my family. And then we got adopted. And somebody older, I, I'm not going to say names, but somebody older than me, um, still a child, started to molest. So here I am. I feel rejected. I'm being molested. And then I got taken out of public school because I told, we started to get beatings, um, literally broken spoons over our bodies. And, um, and it wasn't just one spoon. It was anger, rage, just one spoon after another, grabbing our heads down and calling us stupid and just breaking spoons over us. So I hated God. God, I'm put here to be beat and molested and and now I had an issue with my skin color because everybody else around me was white and I'm brown and I hated life. And the punishments just started to get worse. Mm -hmm. um, my brother got locked outside because he didn't do a chore. So all night long, he slept underneath the car like a dog. And this was our normal. Um, 
you went, when you're in school, they ask you, has anybody ever touched you? Has anybody ever hit you? And I said, oh, my mom beats me because that was the whole truth. But in this town, my family was looked at as saints because, oh, you adopted this whole group of children and they're wonderful. She couldn't do that. I remember that night going to the dinner table kind of quiet because I knew I had said something that I should have said, but I felt like I shouldn't have said. My mom sits in the pantry on the phone. She comes to the dinner table. So do you want to go back to foster care? And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I, I kind of do. Actually, I don't like this place, but I just got quiet. So here was this teacher who was supposed to have my back and nothing else came of that. And that was hard for me because there was adults around me who nobody did anything. You guys saw that we weren't being fed. You saw that we were not uh, being school. We, we had no schooling. We had books at home and only time we would do the books is when the social workers would come for another child. So later on in life, there was some kids who came, some girls, and I was happy because I had some sisters, but I started to see for myself that I wasn't being abused anymore and they were going to the same places that I used to go. So I knew in my heart what was happening to these girls. These girls told their social worker, we're being beat. She's clawing us and we're being molested. So the social workers, I call my uh, adoptive mother and they said, is this true? And of course, no, that would never happen. No, these girls are liars. Oh, they weren't liars. They were telling the whole truth. My goodness. So they just removed the girls. And again, I felt defeated. Why didn't anybody ask me? I was a girl in the home. Yes, I was adopted, but if it was happening to those girls, why wouldn't you think to ask me? So the result of that was, we're just not going to take older girls anymore. So I became over-sexualized at a very young age. I enjoyed watching sexual stuff. I wanted to be sexy because I was learning it was getting, I was getting my way being sexy sexy and that's so sad being penetrated at seven years old and then it just lasting until I'm 14 years old and still just just the punishments were just not eating for the day you didn't you didn't water the dog or the cat so you don't get food today because you're gonna know how it feels um getting locked in a hot van sitting outside um, because we did something. So we just had to sit in the car and just sit there in the heat. And family members saw this and nobody stood up for us. And when I got 18, you know, I just left home. I was rebellious. I didn't talk to my family for years. I was angry. I finally got the courage to write the person who had assaulted me. And granted, they were, they were underage as well. And I just thank the Lord that I can really forgive that person and to see that this person also had suffered trauma by the hands of somebody else. So I, I have totally forgiven that uh, other person. But I wrote the letter to the individual and he wrote back. And so I went to my adoptive mother and I showed her both letters. And I said, this is what happened to me. This is why I was the way that I was. Because, you know, I was just a bad kid. You know, you, she just bad. She's just a liar. No, I was going through some things. I was going through a lot of things. Why wasn't chores getting done? Well, because I was being molested. I didn't have time to do the chores. So I was getting beat. Like, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know how to just come out and say certain things. 
So she read both letters and she says, I feel so bad for that individual. I didn't know, not me. She didn't shed a tear for me. She shed a tear for the person who victimized me, who was also a victim. But I said, I, I, I got even madder. I didn't get any, anything from it. So I started to cling to men because I just wanted somebody to love me. And I was okay being a side chick. Mm -hmm. I was okay. I was a prostitute for a while. Mm -hmm. I was a stripper for a while. I had a pimp. I almost died at the hands of a pimp. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, what is, what is life? Mm -hmm. I was put here to be miserable, to be in in relationships. I was raped by three men and I just didn't tell anybody. I just kept saying, this stuff is all my fault. I got myself into all of these decisions, not understanding that it was just spiritual warfare, right? Like it was just trying to keep me from my purpose in life. And everything was just trying to hold me down like shackles. And I kept crying and crying and wanting different, but not knowing how to change my life. And I would go in and out of church because I still didn't like God. I didn't trust God, but I didn't understand that I just basing who he was off of people, mm -hmm. you know, cause people are people, people are going to hurt you. People are going to wrong you, but your God is never going to wrong you. He's never going to hurt you. He's only there to heal you and to love you. So when they said, you've got to forgive, I said, well, I don't know how to forgive. So my pastor Brown just said, you know, go, go to the altar. Just, just keep going, just keep praying, keep fasting. And I said, man, God isn't gonna love me. I've done too much. You know, being, being a prostitute and just man after man and being a stripper and living that life, God would reject me. You know, there, there's just no way. And uh, it was a lot because you've been rejected your whole life, but yet here you have this God who is saying, come as you are, drink of me. Just like the woman at the well, when, you know, you've been with five husbands, but before he told her that, he said to drink of me so you could have everlasting life. So when I started to break down different stories in the Bible, and I said, if God can do it for them, God can do it for me and he can heal me. And I don't have to walk around with this burden and all these secrets inside and I can be healed. So a couple years later, uh, I had an accident with my arm. I'm 42% disabled. And I wanted to leave this workplace. And a man of God said, don't leave. I said, no, I want to leave. This is, this is too much. I'm, they're racist. They're this, they're this. And I was thinking, I got out of stripping to take this good job to be a better mother and have a 401k. And it's just, it was like hell there. You know, people calling each other the N-words, like it was okay. People body shaming you, your, your boss just cursing you out. I, I told the man of God, I don't want to stand here. He said, stand still, stand still. I said, okay, let, let me listen for once because all this not listening isn't helping me. So I stood still and I hurt my arm. And I know today that my arm is the only thing that rerouted me back to God. So mm -hmm. I could feel free. So what I thought was a curse was mm -hmm. actually my blessing, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's the one thing, all this other stuff, this molestation, this prostitution, all this stuff that I was supposed to just turn to God, but I wanted to listen to society and just run from God and find somebody to blame. So why not blame him?
And I was just like, whoa, I started coming to church. My hands started to be healed. I didn't take medicine. I have one of the worst diseases on the planet, on the Mick Griffin pain scale. Mine is at the very top and I don't take any pills anymore. And God said, go home. I said, God, I'm not going home to these people. They mistreated me. I don't like them. They don't help me with my children. I've been through two divorces. I went through homosexuality and just this identity crisis because as a child, everything was stripped from me and I didn't know who I was. And God kept saying, go home. And I said, I can't go home, God. I can't, I don't want to go home to these people. And I started to pray and just start tarrying in the spirit and just asking God. And I wanted to go other places to live because I was waiting for money to come in from my injury. And he said, I told you to go home. My son almost died in the hospital because of seizures. He had over a hundred seizures and he almost died. And my parents came and I was shocked that they came. I said, you know what? If they can come for me in the hospital, let me tell them that I need help right now. Let me be humbled. Let me learn how to forgive. And so I sent that text message because I wasn't woman enough to pick up a phone and to call and say, can, hey, hey, I haven't talked to y'all in a while, but can I come home? And it took a couple of days to response. And then the response was, we cleared out the big bedroom. Everything is set up for you. Come home. Mm. And I said, God, but these people were mean to me. He said, I need you to go and be the woman of God that I called you to be. I need you to pray and show them different. Don't tell them different. Show them that you are in me. And I just went. And at first I used to just sit in my room and I don't want to talk to these people. Y'all was still hard headed. God said, anoint the house. Pray for your mother who's ill. And I finally, I got a counselor. So, you know, God placed me here for a reason. She said, have the conversation with your mother. Tell her. And so we were sitting there one day and my, my biological brother came back home as well. The same time I came back home and we both would always leave home. And I said, oh my goodness, brother, you're here for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. And I finally said, you know what, mom, I want to rip the bandaid off. I felt unloved. I felt unappreciated. I wasn't a bad kid. I was this way because I was molested. And I told her in every instant how she made me feel. I said, I want to move forward in being your daughter. I love you. And when I told her that I loved her, she broke down and cried because I've never told my mother these words. And sometimes it takes to be the bigger person to go in and just to break some chains off of things. And I no longer looked at it from the things that I went through. But now that she was bound in depression and in anxiety and all these things, and she just didn't know how to love. And so when I started to realize that every time that somebody had left me and I felt defeated in my life, that God never left me. He never left me and he never forsaked me. And if God is for me, then who could be against me? So I started walking in that power and that, uh, that anointing and just praying. And I'm still not fully accepted. I'm still too loud. I'm still this. And they have a whole different religion than me, but I don't serve religion. I serve a God. Mm -hmm. 
I just serve God and I'm just a praying woman and I don't have to just go and preach to them, but I just began to love them with the agape love and I'm cleaning and I'm cooking with my one hand. I just do it. I'm like, you know what, God, I needed to be rerouted. I needed to be brought full circle. There's something that's happening in that household because he told me to go back. So I just, I thank him for rerouting me there and then to be obedient to that. Because that was probably one of the hardest things that I had to do is to go home and to humble myself enough to say, I need help. And I told her that I wrote the book. Now, there hasn't been any more comments about the book, but I told her about the book, you know, and I told her, I just said, you know, women like me have struggled women who have been in foster care adopted and you know I've met my biological family as well and my mother is still in her mess you know my mother was a prostitute she was a stripper she had been beaten almost killed her her mother sold her into prostitution at a young age at 10 years old so when I began to break down the different things why my life was you know going this way I was like she didn't know how to be a mother when her own mother sold her, she couldn't be a mother. And so I said, you know, I stopped being angry about things. And I started trying to look at them with a different lens. And then I said, God, what is my purpose in life? I didn't go through this for nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's just dropping into my spirit. You know, you're going to be speaking to women. You're going to show them that even though you were a harlot even though you were you know fornicating and everything else I told you to come as you are and I was gonna clean you up like a diamond and so just to know that I could be the voice of women to say that you can be whole and heal and happy and forgiven and the things of your past is not your present Mm -hmm. it just I was like it was worth it it was worth it for me. Mm-hmm. And I said, I would do it again if it was just to save another girl, save another soul. And I said, okay, God, let me take my hands off my life. Let me stop complaining. You know, I really had to say, I'm not that foster child. I'm not the girl who was molested. I'm not just, you know, the, the girl who was raped and beat. I'm an overcomer. And when I started to put those positive words of affirmation back into me, instead of just speaking all the negative and saying, I am who he says I am. And it was just like light. I just felt so light and I just felt so free. And so I I just thank God for just rerouting me and taking me home and just, even if they don't see me for somebody different, that I've come in there being the woman of God and I've loved the way that I was supposed to love and then just to forgive because that alone was just trying to kill me and eat me up inside. Mm -hmm. And sometimes God doesn't make sense. God, don't send me back here. But me going back there was for me. It wasn't for them. Mm -hmm. It was for me to be whole and to be healed so I can start my process on my journey Mm -hmm. to go forward. So he'll totally, you know, just take you in this circle. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just excited. Wow. 
what an amazing story. I've been over here biting my tongue, trying to keep from just jumping in on this thing. I got some, I got some questions for you here. Oh, We're going to start right. with this first one. I want to know how long did you go without contact with your adopted family? So what age were you when you left there and how long were you the prodigal daughter? So <laughs> I left before I was 17 years old because I was angry and I found a boyfriend. <laughs> So I left because I thought I thought that was best, right? Right. So right. I, I left. I would speak to them from time to time. We live in the same town and I wouldn't do any holidays with them. I wouldn't speak to them. I could walk right past them. So um, the longest I think I went without speaking was a couple years. years. But like I said, we would be in the same town and y'all wouldn't hear from me. We were strangers. They didn't mm -hmm. know me. They don't know a lot of the things that I had endured either. Mm -hmm. So the whole purpose of me asking that is because it really sets the stage on how how isolated that you were. Who was in your circle when you were out there at the hottest mess point? Who was in your circle? Nobody. Yeah. So yeah. I was alone and I you know when my my hottest point was becoming a stripper and because I needed money for things I thought that was the best way mm -hmm. and I got tricked you know mm -hmm. accidentally had a pimp mm -hmm. um, somebody said come down here and dance and I said I'm dancing for free out here at the club anyway and so when I went out there and I'm asleep and this it was a woman it was a woman she jumped on my back and started choking me wow. and I almost died and I'm banging on the walls and crying and screaming and nobody came and I was in front of my two boys and I said, something's got to give. Mm -hmm. I said, I wasn't supposed to die. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, but I also hid myself. I was so ashamed of the things that I did. I didn't talk about my prostitution. I was out there with being a side chick because for whatever reason, I thought that was acceptable, you know, mm -hmm. but it's not. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I hid being a stripper. I hid prostitution. I didn't talk about those things. So I was too ashamed. Yeah. Yeah, I went through a period like that. I was in a domestically violent relationship for seven years. And in the same way, you just described it. My adopted parents knew me, but they didn't know me. You know, yeah. they, yeah. I, I purposely left things out, you know, that I didn't want them to know. And it was a lot of that was that, that shame that was inside of me. What was the breaking point moment? Can you, do you have a clear moment? Some of us do as adoptees, some of us don't. Do you have a clear moment when you were like, I don't have to live this way? It was when I hurt my arm. So my hand, I'll show you my arm. Mm, but okay. um, it was when I hurt my arm and I got addicted to, to weed. Mm -hmm. And I just said, something's got to give. I said, something has got to change. I need help. Mm -hmm. I got to stop thinking. I know all I got to stop because what I was doing wasn't working. The liquor, I used to be an alcoholic. The liquor mm -hmm. wasn't working. The man wasn't working. So when I said nothing is working, I said, maybe I need to go to the house. You know, I was like the woman with the issue of blood. Mm -hmm. If I could just get to the hem, I could be healed. Mm -hmm. I gotta, mm -hmm. If I could just get there. Mm -hmm. something will be healed. My mm -hmm. heart will be healed. My depression will be healed. Mm -hmm. I said, God, I'm here and I had to surrender. I had to say, I give up, but I need you 
to just just fill me fill me lord <laughs> and people thought i was crazy because i kept going to the altar and i kept calling my pastor and my mentor and i said no god put these people in my life so i'm gonna use them you know i have direct access you know and so that's when it was just like my hand was to turn me around Mm. It was not, it was to sit me down. It was like, daughter, I need you and you're not listening. Yes. So this, this was my sit down and I was angry at first, mm-hmm. but now I'm like, God, if you didn't do that, where would I be? Cause I was planning on before my hand hurt, I was planning on being a stripper again. I said, I'm going to lose some weight. I'm, I'm going to go strip again. And then my hand, God said, not so. Right. So that was my, my breaking point. But if I would have listened, you know, from the stuff that happened before, or <laughs> I didn't have to go through this, you know? Right. right. Well, I often like to think of it as a, a journey like the Israelites went on. Like I made this a 40 year journey for myself when this could have been over a whole lot sooner had I just been obedient. But I Come had on. to go through what I went through because now we can go back and help the other Israelites that's going around in yes. their own journeys. Absolutely. I, I know without a doubt that's a part of our calling. And as I'm listening to your story, I'm like, I can so clearly see where you're going. And God is all over that. So I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you this. This is for people who are new to faith because I was new to faith about three, four years ago. This is for people who they say, yes, I want different, but they still find themselves struggling with old thought patterns. And how do you battle that? Okay, so I'm still new in faith. I've only walked in this a year. So like clearly a year. So I know it's real. (laughs) Yes, it's real. Okay, because I had to lean not on my own understanding. Mm -hmm. I had to humble myself to call my pastor. I need help. Mm -hmm. I need prayer, Mm -hmm. fasting and prayer. Mm -hmm. And you have to make God the center of everything. Mm -hmm. I had to learn that I had to love God more than I love my children. Mm -hmm. I had to love God more than I loved money. I had to love God more than my lashes. I had to love God more than a man and and my outward appearance. And when I put him above everything, even though when I was still coming to church, I was still drinking behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I was still going to the altar because I said, you know what? God is going to accept me. But when my pastor taught me, you better start fasting and that alcohol will come out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to try you guys. Let me really try you. Mm -hmm. So I started to fast. I said, God, you don't want me to drink? Break this from me. And I started doing little fasts, 12 to 12. Wake up, I wouldn't eat. And nothing till 12, just some water. And I would be in the word. I said, God, you don't want this in me. God, take it away from me. And he did it. So when I put my faith and my trust in Jesus to see what he would do for me, I said, if you could do this, you could heal my heart. Mm. And I started just one thing at a time. I didn't go with everything. And God knows everything, but he's a gentleman. He says, invite me into those dark places in your heart that are so scarred. Yes. And so I just slowly, it was one thing at a time. And I allowed the tears to fall. I didn't care. Just take the wig off. Mm. I allowed the tears to fall fall because as I was crying at the altar I was being healed but you can't do it alone and you gotta sacrifice your friends 
some of these friends were never supposed to be your friends. You gotta, I left my homosexuality marriage because of Christ. Mm-hmm. I was married to one woman and I kept coming to church and I said, this isn't of God. I gotta get divorced. Now mm-hmm. she didn't understand that, but I said I had to let go of everything that I knew so I could fill in everything. Stay in the word for yourself because it's not about religion. It's about your relationship with God. Once you start praying every morning, praying Mm -hmm. every night, you read some scriptures. It's just small baby steps. God is going to honor your try, but don't give up on Jesus. Like, Mm -hmm. don't you dare. You can give up on them men and them raggedy friends, but God, don't give up on him. Mm -hmm. He's your way maker. He's your light. Amen. That is facts right there. I think one of the biggest things that you was just talking about was about that circle. I am such a proponent for who's in your circle. Who you bring to the table with you is going to eat from your plate. You're going to eat from their plate, whether you want to admit it or not. So it's important that you have people around you that uplift you, that encourage you, that know the word also, so that because we're healed in community. I believe that we're here through prayer, community, and also counseling too. God sends people here to help us because we're not born knowing how to process stuff. And Mm -hmm. so what therapy does is it gives us an opportunity to change our perspective on things. I have one final question here for you. Somebody that's listening that hasn't yet taken that step, but they're listening because they're curious and they want to know, what advice would you give anybody that is tired of being tired? Wow. When you're tired of being tired, that's what I was. I was Mm -hmm. tired of being tired. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get off of the Mm merry-go-round and I didn't know how to keep going in this cycle. And I said, you know, people just say, just take, take a foot off, take your toe off. You got to take both feet off the merry-go-round and you can no longer make excuses because we also have to take some ownership of our mess, right? Not yes. everything was the devil. Yes. Some of it was some Us. decisions that we made. You better preach. So when you start taking some ownership mm-hmm. and you said, you know what? I was kind of being a raggedy person. I didn't really know this, this, and this. And you said, I want something different. Mm-hmm. Write the vision. Mm-hmm. Write your vision board. Set some goals for yourself. Mm-hmm. Follow the positive people. Because I was tired of being the chicken in the chicken coop. Ooh. I wanted to soar like the eagle. Mm-hmm. So if you're ready to soar, you have to be ready to sacrifice. Yes. Write the vision. What do you want for yourself? Ask God, who did you create me to be? Mm. And get both of your feet off of your roller coaster. Change your number, change some contacts, change your job if that's what you Change your address if you need to. Yes. Do you really want it? Do you really want it? Are you ready to get out of this cycle of depression and abuse? Because Mm. you're worthy. You were called greater. He knew you before you was in your mother's womb. He knew you. And he said, I have a purpose for you. And I have a plan for you. And I have these doors that I'm ready to open. These businesses that I'm trying to bless you with. But you're stuck in your mess, he says. Oh, Jesus. So if you would just trust him and get off of your own hellish roller coaster, Mm -hmm. he's going to open it for you. Mm-hmm. He's gonna do it. I was called stupid in my whole life, and here I am, an author. Come on, come you on. You know, come on. I, 
I was a prostitute in the back of the van, man after man coming in, $20, $40. And he said to come, he called me about. He said, I didn't create you to sell your body. Your body's a temple. We gotta watch what we're doing. Cause you know, there's destiny assassins. There's people who are placed here to take you out. There's people, there's these demonic forces coming to talk to you, to tell you, kill yourself, to take your pills, to drink yourself to death. Mm -hmm. And you got to start speaking to those things and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Come on. You have no power and authority over me. I am who he says I am. I am am going to meet the king. God has a purpose for me. So don't listen to those negative voices. You got to shut them at the door. You got to tell him no i might cry today but i'm not gonna take my life i refuse yes but you gotta tell that voice to get thee behind me Mm -hmm. you got to reach out that's good that's good that that community comes back again Mm -hmm. who's in your circle that you can pick up that phone and you can let them know i'm having a hard time right now and they can talk you off the ledge that's who you yes. need in your corner. People that yes. you can open up to and people that won't judge you. That's who you need in your corner. So we need it longer. We need about three, four hours before we can get, girl, this got really good, really I, quickly. I dimmed yes. it down. I dimmed it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a second here before we're done. Let's talk a little bit about your book. So my book is called Surviving Trauma. Um, my mentor just looked at me he said you better write your story and i started to make the excuses still right i got one hand i'm stupid i'm this i'm this and i said you know what i'm just gonna be obedient to the lord and i'm gonna write Mm -hmm. and as i was writing it healed me and it talks about the real raw molestation masturbation porn in that life being gay a pimp and then coming out of it coming out of everything with the right people but i wanted to really show people i wasn't always this woman of god i was ratchet i was Mm -hmm. a mess so i wanted people to see that you know it's not just always you're just your pearls right i had Mm -hmm. to come a long way so that's what my book really talks about and just how much that we're overcomers as women and we don't see it Mm -hmm. how much that we survive and your trauma might be different than my trauma but i'm sure you can relate yes so yes my book is going to be coming out soon you can find me on my facebook page at tashiana ortiz um and you can follow my journey and see when my book comes out should be out here in a couple weeks my book is now available on amazon barnes and noble and also if you would like a signed copy you can find me on facebook at tashiana ortiz and you can message me or you can send me an email at tashiana27 at gmail.com thank you so much Awesome. Tashiana, spell your name so they can make sure they find the right one. T-A-C-H-I-A-N-N-A Ortiz, O-R-T-I-S. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the section of the episode that I like to call my two cents. And just like anyone else's two cents, You can take it or you can leave it. The choice is always yours.
In this segment, I like to take a piece of the interview and dive a little deeper into its meaning or its message. The title of this show with Tatiana is entitled Transformed. And I don't know if you can just step back and take a look at her entire picture, but a transformed life is not hard to miss. Let's talk about transformation and what that process looks like. And I love to go back and and think about the caterpillar to the butterfly transformation because you have this this caterpillar that's cute in its own way if that's your thing but this crawly hairy so the caterpillar is this crawly kind of creepy hairy insect that can't get very high off the ground it's easy prey for predators because it can't move very fast but there comes a point in time in the caterpillar's life when it becomes ready for the next phase of life. But the next phase to life is not an easy transition. The caterpillar doesn't just wake up and is a butterfly. That that transition, that transformation involves a process where the caterpillar has to cocoon itself and it remains cocooned for an extended period of time. And one of the reasons that it's cocooned is because in that cocoon, it's isolated, it's separated, it's set apart from the rest of the world while it goes through this serious transformation process that happens honestly from the inside to the out. See, that cocoon process is necessary because being covered takes the cocoon out of view of predators. That's when it's the most easy for us to be abducted is when we're in that beginning phase of transformation. So without that protective covering, without being set apart, without being separated in order to take in this entire transformation process, that caterpillar would be very volatile to its surroundings. But at the end of the cocoon period, the caterpillar is now ready to face the world as its new self, breaks free from the cocoon and everything tied to it. That metamorphosis stage being complete, the caterpillar emerges as a beautiful butterfly. And here's what I know. I know that the butterfly can never go back to be the caterpillar ever again. In Isaiah, there's a passage of scripture, Isaiah 43, that talks about, yeah, we can recall all that the Lord has done. He parted the Red Sea and and he took care of our enemies and and gave us victory. But it said, "But, but wait a minute, you don't even have to dwell on the past anymore. You don't have to dwell on life as a caterpillar. And although you can't always see it, all that I protected you from as a caterpillar. You don't even have to dwell on that because I'm going to do new things for you. As a butterfly, I'm going to part seas for you again. I'm going to create roads in deserts. I am going, I am going to make ways out of no ways for you. Don't you see it? 
Tashiana experienced a transformation. She went from living a life of the world to being a leader of Christ in the world. And my transformation process is very similar. While we'll always be work in progress and I'll never reach perfection until I get there, I am thankful for the transformation that's happened in my life. Thankful to God that I am no longer that caterpillar that was easy prey for my predators. I've went through that transformation process and I recognize the beautiful butterfly that I am on this side of transformation. You, my friend, have the same opportunity, the same opportunity to become a butterfly. That's all that I have today for my two cents. You can either take it or you can leave it. Well, my beautiful friends, we've made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for sticking around with us. This is the point in the show where I will always recommend seeking mental health assistance. There's a reason why in the Bible, our thoughts and our minds are referred to so often. And I believe that God knew that our biggest battles would be fought in our head. And as adoptees, that's what so many of us face. So please get mental health help. Please share, like, follow, comment, and if you would like to learn more, I have a website that's in development. You can still go take a look at it now. It's trauma-transformation.com or feel free to follow on social media at Trauma Transformation Adoptee. Please know from the bottom of my heart to yours that you are loved, valued, and enough. We'll see you next Tuesday. God bless.